Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Brandon Turner, who is a personal finance coach and facilitator specializing in working with people in recovery. He's also the author of the book, Personal Finance and Addiction Recovery. Thanks for joining me today, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Man, you've got a, a pretty incredible and honestly, it sounds like crazy story. I mean, you went from making $200,000 a year illegally. You got set up uh, in like a deal gone wrong, basically. You went broke. You were facing drug trafficking and tax evasion charges. I'm assuming that your addiction played a role in all of this. So tell me a little bit about how all of this started. Oh boy. Well, I had my head on pretty straight until college and um, nobody really has a lot of money in college and I had an addiction to fuel. So that's where I got my first taste of selling and using. So they kind of spiraled out out of control together. Um, Eventually I had left school as a dropout about three years into it and I had no purpose, no direction, no idea on what I wanted, and I knew how to make money. And so that just kind of spiraled out of control. I think it was only a matter of like two or three years. Now I, I had come from maybe selling an ounce of weed, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, serious, serious weight. And uh, I was up for days at a time, drinking, not responding to my, my family. Um, it was only a matter of time before I'd either end up dead or, or in jail. So just to kind of scoot along, I, um, I ended up getting set up. That was the first thing. That was the first wake up call. And I'm in and out of the courthouse for probably nine or 10 months and I'm failing drug tests and they're, they're threatening me with jail. And finally it was like, okay, you have to make a choice where you're either going to sober up or you're just going to go to jail. Like we're done with you. There are people knocking down the pro uh, the door to this program to, to get in here and straighten their lives out. And you're taking us for granted. So here's your ultimatum okay. right around that time from the setup to the point where I decided to get sober. Uh, I had probably tripled my income during that time. Um, and just, I just had no ability to, to look at long-term consequences and, you know, the, the uh, addicted mind. And, and know, so that, to be clear, when you say between this time of getting set up, is this still illegally? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I had no plans on stopping anything. And, and, you know, I feel like 
you know, at the end, it was always, it was very similar to that one last drink, one last drink, one last time yeah. using, um, um, that was in the deal for me. All right. One more deal, one more deal, one more deal. So I feel like I would have done this until something like this happened. Okay. You know, um, it was, I was just that type of person to where it was just going to have to, it was going to have to be forced on me, you know? Yeah, I get that. So, um, yeah, I, I, um, I got beat for, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars all at once, probably close to 70 grand in a week. And, uh, I had a, an outpatient program to pay for a six month old child at home and I had no job and they were saying, you need to complete this outpatient program the last three or four more months. You have to do this to get cleared through the courts. Okay. I thought I could sober up. Okay. So I said, yeah, you got to do this. And I had maybe $10,000 left. And by the time I had gotten through that three to four months and gotten a job, I had about $200 in my pocket. I'm working for $13 an hour in a facility that I have no experience in. And I have $75,000 worth of unsecured debt in the IRS knocking at my door. Wow. Threatening to lock me up for my uh, negligence. Let me ask you something because, man, actually our stories are very similar. You know, my, my using and selling drugs went hand in hand. You know, and yes. for me, it was like it started with weed and then it was kind of like one of these deals in high school. Like, well, I can just kind of figure out this way to like smoke for free. And then it was like, I definitely got addicted to the fast money, the lifestyle, you know, and it just, it kept going, you know, and I kept doing harder and harder drugs as I was selling harder and harder drugs. And I know that one of the things that happened to me is, you know, I kept getting, like you're saying, one more time, right? Just like the one more drink or one more drug. It was one more deal. And that one more deal would always lead to me getting high again, even, even though it was one of those deals, like I'm sure you've heard similar sayings where people say like, you can't, uh, you know, you can't be clean living a dirty life. And, exactly. and that was a thing that I was trapped in. So at, as this was going on, I mean, were you experiencing that where you would go back to do another deal and you would keep getting high or, or what was going on with that? Absolutely. The root of it was definitely that I did not want to get sober. Okay. That was the root of it. And this was just kind of like a, a smoke screen to prevent me from looking at myself. Okay. Uh, I had money coming in. I didn't have a problem. You know, that was my mindset. Yeah. 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 And I, man, I think a lot of, I definitely got trapped in that for the longest time. You know, I thought even when I was trying to do things more illegally, I thought like a bigger paycheck or just more money in the bank, I thought that was going to fix the problem. And what I couldn't see is, is that if I couldn't get clean, you know, and actually stay clean, it wasn't going to matter. I wasn't going to be able to, I could have huge, huge checks hit in the bank account. And it wouldn't matter because I wouldn't be able to hold on to it, you know? Exactly. So, okay. So you, you've, uh, you're going through this outpatient program. You've got all this debt. Uh, where do things start to turn around in terms of your recovery? Like how, how does that take shape? Um, again, I was in a position to where I had to start paying the IRS. Okay. I got my notice that said, this is it. You know, I was just kind of throwing them in the trash. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't make the go away right. sort of thing and i remember seeing it it was like open immediately and just had a real catchy headline you know it's like all right i better i better check this one out mm. so 
uh, we're going to take your vehicle. That was my only asset. And, uh, you know, you're going to get locked up if you don't comply. Wow. So when you were talking about, um, trying to, trying to live a sober life and then living dirty, I considered that, you know, also dirty. I wasn't selling drugs or anything anymore, but you know, I still had trouble with the law. And uh, that's one of the first things I work on with people in recovery is any, anything that has to do with the law, just clean it up. Uh, cause that was a huge weight off my shoulders, huge. Um, and when I actually just looked and like decided, like, I'm going to take care of this. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. Hmm. You know, like my mind made this huge gap between like here and there, like, Oh my God, don't look, you know, what if, what if this, what if that? And like, as soon as I called them and I was just honest, and I'm like, Hey, this is where I'm at. Yeah. Where I was and this is what I'm trying to do. Are you willing to work with me? Absolutely. There's no problem. Yeah. I, well, yeah. And I had a lot of the, and I, I do want to ask you more about this, you know, just people who are, are starting over. I definitely want to do a deep dive into that, but I know what you're saying. We like build these problems up into these huge things. Like I didn't have a, uh, a, a valid driver's license, for instance. And mm -hmm. it, it was this whole thing. And man, I had gotten all these like you know, tickets, I was having to pay all these like ongoing fines that kept, you know, cause I would get pulled over for being an, an idiot basically. Mm -hmm. And I, I would have an expired license or an invalid license and I would have to pay all these extra fines and it was costing thousands and thousands of dollars. And I was just thinking I was never going to get a license again. And my sponsor was like, man, well, why don't you just go up to the DMV and just see what they say? And they had sent me a valid license, but it had gone to the wrong address. And literally all I had to do was pay $12 and I got a license right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I know exactly what you're saying. So now did you, uh, how did you find, I know you were in this outpatient program. So did that introduce you to a 12 step program or, or what, what happened there? Absolutely. Okay. Um, to me, that was like, the equivalent of going to jail. Like I just looked like I felt like a victim. They're like, yeah, you got to go to five AA meetings a week. Okay. That was part of the requirement. Yeah. And I pissed and moaned the whole way. Yeah. You know, even though it was going to keep me out of jail and, and redirect my life, you know, I was just not about it at all, but uh, it was the best thing I've ever done. And getting set up was the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So I, I want to talk about your book here, man. I, I really want to make sure, and I'm going to be a little selfish for, for our listeners out there in the sober nation, because I want to get as much good information out of you as possible to, to really help them, you know, because I'm sure that, that there are some people that, um, you know, are, are in different stages, right? You know, maybe they're, they're completely starting over, um, you know, maybe they've been sober a little while and they're still kind of struggling financially. Um, and, and let me ask you that first, like, why do you think it is that so many people in recovery struggle financially, you know, even after maybe they've been sober for a while, like what, what do you see as, as an issue there? Because that's something like when I go to meetings and stuff, like it, it, it does come up and, and everyone, whether they're in recovery or not, they're going to have um, you know, money issues, I think, but what, what is it about addicts and alcoholics that, that there's this, this real issue with, with finances? What do you think that's all about? That's a great question. Very, very broad. And there's a lot to unpack there. Sure. Um, but if I were to keep it fairly simple, I would say that we just have an issue with looking at ourselves and 
when you look at finances and let's see how, how, how I can say this. Um, it's going to mimic the way that you think and behave, mm. you know, the cash flow statements. So like, I didn't want to help be held responsible. I didn't want to look at the IRS. Um, I had spending habits based on making three, $4,000 a week. Now I'm making, you know, $500 a week and I'm forced to change. And it's easier to just complain and, and act like a victim than it is to, to actually change. And um, it took a lot of introspection. And um, for me, it was a lot like looking in the mirror. Mm. You know, I owe this much on um, taxes. I owe this much on student loans on a degree that I didn't even use. It yeah. was an expensive party. Um, I owe this much because uh, I neglected to pay my hospital bills. And I feel like the root of that was this, I just didn't want to deal with it. Mm. I didn't want, I just ran from challenges and problems that I had created. Wow. And uh, I just didn't want to look. Yeah, that makes it well. And what I'm relating this to is you're describing that. And, and I think that's a, that's about right. I, I know that for me, and I think this is a challenge that a lot of people face when they come into recovery. It's like, man, we've done so much damage. And I think that all of us to some degree, you know, feel like I am just never going to get out from under this. So I'm just going to keep sweeping it under the rug because, but the problem is, is that now, you know, we don't have the drugs and alcohol to kind of mask all that. And so, but what I'm thinking about, it's almost like we have to do an inventory, you know, like a fourth step on, on our finances. Right. And that can, that can suck. <laughs> It wasn't easy, man. And I actually, I encourage people to do that. Um, there are some financial coaches that encourage to use cash instead of plastic. Okay. I encourage to use plastic because every transaction you make is going to be documented. Mm. Your four steps are already written. Yeah. All you got to do is read it. That's a good point. Yeah, actually, that's a, see, and I've thought about that a lot too. That, that's a good point. It can be easy to swipe that card quicker sometimes, right? Than it can be to uh, you know, pull cash out, or, you know, maybe it seems like it's harder to pull the cash out, but I think it's, I think it's actually easier to spend cash and, and you're not tracking it. Like who's going to sit there and, you know, really write down every single time, you know, what it is they're spending money on. It's probably not going to, not going to happen. Right. So let me ask you this. I was, uh, I was going through your website and one of the things it says there is that financial success is 80% psychological and 20% math. So I get the math part of it. What, what are we talking about in terms of the psychology behind it? Is it, is that 80%, is it mindset? Is it discipline? What, what are you referring to? I'd say overall, definitely mindset could wrap it up. Okay. And I'm really brought that up because a lot of coaches will address that. You know, it's 80% mindset, 20% concept. And then a lot of times, mm bulk of the conversation is on that 20%. So the bulk of my book is written about that 80%. So it not only applies to finances, but they can apply it directly to recovery. Okay. Uh, yeah. So basically when I was in that point of, I have the IRS hospital bills and collections, mm -hmm. loans, yada, yada, yada. Um, I was not going to get out of that situation with a math equation. You know, there, if I had looked at it like that, I wouldn't be here yeah. because I was making $500 a month or I'm sorry, $500 a week. And, you know, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I, I'm telling you, I just could not see it. And 
it just, it took something deeper than numbers to get there. And that's what I wanted to really get home with this book and, and really drive into the reader that uh, they can do it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, and and that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, if you're just looking at the numbers and again, like you were saying, you're, you know, you're spending like you're making three or four grand a month or you have three or four grand a month in expenses, but you're only making, you know, a few hundred bucks a week or whatever it is. I mean, if you're just looking at that, it's not going to happen. But if we shift that mindset to more of like a solution oriented mindset, instead of, you know, just like in recovery, instead of focusing on the problem, what can I do to start changing this here? And, and most importantly, probably get into action behind it. That's where things start to change. So let's talk about the book. Okay. So personal finance and addiction recovery, man, I really love that you did this. I, I think this is um, you know, it, it's, it's something that I don't think is talked about enough, um, in terms of, I'll, I'll tell you this, like what really struck me is, um, y- you know, is that I would go to like some men's 12 step meetings, for instance, I was blown away by how often I heard that these guys had issues with the IRS. It was yeah. like, like there were a couple meetings where it went around the room and like every single guy was like, oh yeah, yeah, I had, you know, I had my, you know, my run in with the IRS. So why, why did you write this book and, and uh, what is it all about? First off, I felt like, you know, because it's such a taboo topic, I mean, not just in recovery, but in life in general, it's sure. really hard to sit down with someone, you know, like you right now and, and talk about money. Very difficult. So can you imagine if we were all getting sober on our own? Mm. Like how, how well would that work? And it's the same way with financial recovery, at least that's how I view it, is if people aren't openly talking about it and sharing their experiences and how they got out of certain situations and what they were able to build in themselves out of that experience, we're limited to learning just from our own experience. And that's the hard way of, of really getting anywhere. So I'm trying to make it um, okay for people to open up about their own positions by sharing my experience, which was very severe. Okay. And if I can do it, anybody can. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, it's funny. I'm actually thinking there was uh, a few weeks back, uh, there's an AA meeting that I lead every week. And so I brought up one of the, the topic that I brought up was about money. It was out of one of the, like the daily meditation books. And I mm-hmm. was like, all right, so who's going to, you know, who's going to share first? Man, it was like, it was one of those meetings where it's like, all right, well, I guess it's just going to be a meditation meeting because no one's saying, any, you know, no yeah. one is saying anything. So I, I think that's, I think that's a really good point you're making. You know, again, it's, um, you know, recovery works in such a large part because I come in and I have hope because I see other people are, are getting out from under all these financial problems that, that many of us, I, I would say most of us, I, I think I can confidently say that most of us, you know, experience, man, I see some people that held things together and, you know, they didn't have any, I, that's, that was not me. I think that's, you know, uh, more few and far between. And I definitely had to start over myself. You know, I had a ton of debt, like you were saying, hospital bills, uh, credit cards, you know, it it was just uh, issues with the law. 
you know, like with my driver's license and other things like that, that I mentioned. So it, it, let's just assume that there are some people that are, like I said, starting over, maybe they're at these different points. They're either new to recovery and they're, they're starting over completely, or maybe they've been in recovery for a while in that area of their life, because I see this a lot too, that area of their life is really just causing some, some serious stress in their life. They can't figure out how to get the ball rolling there. So let's talk about some of those things. Where should they start? Like what, what should they do to actually get started? Sure. I've got a 12 step program that I'm actually laying out. It's, it's generally laid out, but I'd really love to hone it in with some people over time. Okay. The first one that I have on there is to work a recovery program. I mean, first and foremost, whether, whether that's, uh, I know three principles is taken off over here or if it's 12 step or just something that's the foundation. Okay. Um, and then two is, is to have uh, steady income. So first and foremost, those sound very obvious, but you can't do much without those. It's almost like the, the remaining 11 steps, you know, kind of stacked on that first one, you know? Yeah. Um, those two are the, are the foundation for the 12. And then after that, the third one is to establish a savings habit. Um, and there's a reason for that. But uh, after that, it would definitely be to take care of anything legally related because having another jail sentence hanging over your head or what if I get caught, it just, it cleared up my conscience like you just wouldn't believe. And mm -hmm. from that, I was able to stack some small wins and keep this momentum going, which ultimately just sailed my self-confidence and self-esteem in the process. Okay. So I would start there. Um, yeah, have a recovery program, have a job, and then establish a savings habit and take care of those legal issues. Okay. So, and let me ask you this, and that makes perfect sense to me. You know, I think that, again, one of the main things that I saw is that if I didn't have my recovery, I mean, it just didn't, it didn't matter how much money I was making. And I think, you know, that one thing we definitely have to keep in mind when it, you know, comes to just money and, you know, financial success, if you will, in general, um, is that, you know, whether someone is in recovery or not, if, if they don't change that mindset overall, then, you know, it's kind of like you see people that win the lottery, right? And if they still have that same mindset to where it's like, they just have, you know, they don't have any control over their finances. Those are the people that you see go broke within like, you know, it doesn't matter how much money they got. They're still spending the same way. They still have the same mindset. They're not saving any of it. They're not thinking long-term. They're not budgeting. They're not doing any of those things. So, you know, for me, I, I see what you're saying. It's, it's, you know, change the thinking, make sure you have the recovery in place. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes kind of looking at this from a, a different point of view here? What are some of the biggest mistakes that you think people in recovery make? I know you mentioned just, you know, like we were talking about kind of sweeping things under the rug. What are some other mistakes maybe with clients that you've worked with that, that you see people making? Sure. I would say starting with myself as an example, 
is I was just shot out of a cannon every day. I converted my addictive habits to workaholism mm. that had a direct impact on the quality of my recovery. And instead of just working out straight all the time, and some of the most popular financial coaches out there are encouraging this, get motivated, get motivated, go, 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 work, 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 work. And my question is, what direction do you want to go in? Um, what is your, what are your goals? Get clear on the direction before you just run full sprint because I was working 50, 60, 70 hours a week and I see other men doing this too and, and other women. Um, and I, all of a sudden I can't get to as many meetings. I'm not hanging around to, with as many friends and I'm just sort of back to that isolated state and I'm convincing myself that I'm doing this for a good purpose when, and that's kind of where that first step of recovery comes in. Sure. Um, maintain that recovery program, whatever it is that's working for you. So I would encourage people to get clear on what they want and then get educated on how to get there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of that if we were going to use an analogy here, it's like, how do you hit a target that you can't see? Yes. Or, or how do you get to, you know, a destination if you don't know where it is you're going or like you said, how to get there. Okay. So it's uh, what you're saying is, is figure out where you want to go, get, get some clarity on that exactly what it is you want, figure out a game plan to get there. Um, whether, and, and so let, let's touch on that real quick. Um, how do you suggest getting there? I mean, so you're, you're a financial coach. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing you can do. What are some other ways that people can, let's say I, I figured out where it is I want to go. I figured out that, you know, I've got some debt I need to pay off. Uh, maybe I want to have a certain amount in, in savings over the next few years. Uh, maybe I'd like to get another stream of income coming in or something like that. So I have an idea of, of what I want to do. Um, wh where do you suggest I, I start in terms of working towards some of these things? And how do I actually, how do I lay out a plan? That's a great question. And I'm not crazy about Dave Ramsey. I do like some of his stuff. Okay. Yeah. His four walls are a great place to start. Okay. And those are, you know, so you have an idea of all the debts you want to pay off. You know where you want to be by a certain time. Uh, make sure that you have your recovery program for one. And then food, shelter, utilities, and transportation. A lot of things none of us had when we were active. Yeah. You know, rather, you know, get high than pay the light bill or, or uh, you know, didn't have a vehicle or because or, we crashed it in a drunken escapade or, yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. What that does is it keeps you out of that survival mode that we're in, that fight or flight sort of state because mm. all your basic needs are met. And from there, you can break down the rest of your budget and find out how much you can contribute to your remaining debts going forward. And a lot of people, they're going to be in what's called uh, like a negative cash flow position. There's going to be more creditors calling than they have money to offer. And which at that case, I would recommend um, just making a list of all of them and just call them. Tell them what you're doing and uh, help them understand that I can't pay everybody right now. and this bill is the least detrimental to my position right now. So I promise, you know, later on, I'll get around to it. Here's what I have to take care of right now. Um, I just want to let you know that 
I'm thinking about you and, and I'm going to make it up to you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, going back to, if we're looking at the 12 steps, I mean, that's kind of like a, it, it is a financial amends, right? I mean, that's just something that we should, we should make right because it's, it's really, it's just the right thing to do. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a hospital, if it's a credit card, you know, that's something I owe, I should make it right. I need to ask again, because I know that there are going to be some people listening and they're thinking, okay, like that's not going to work. I'm going to call these people. They're not going to care. So when you advise, you know, and, and I think you and I already said, we both had the same experience, but when you advise someone, look, Hey, uh, we've got your list now of all your debts. I want you to go ahead and call these people. What actually happens most of the time when, when they make this phone call? Most of the time, they're just happy to hear from you. Hmm. I mean, in most cases, I'm not saying that's going to be every single time. It, it really depends. Usually, <clears throat> the ones that hold the biggest grudges are, are, are personal. You know, like I borrowed money from someone and didn't pay it back. But if it's a company and they're required to keep some level of professionality, it's usually not the end of the world. And if it's sitting in collections, they're planning on not getting paid. Hmm. So they, they're going to be happy to hear from you. Yeah, Men most. that makes sense. So let me ask you this to dive a little deeper, deeper into that there. How would you prioritize what you pay back first? Obviously, you know, if the IRS is saying, I'm going to come take your car like that, that's going to be number one. But beyond something like that, how would I actually go about saying, okay, I've got my debts laid out. Uh, you know, I, I can see clearly what, what the problem is, what's going on. How do I how do I figure out how which one to tackle first? Is it just the biggest one? Is it the one that do I just pick one and start moving? Like what what do I? How would you suggest I go about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say just get them all down on paper first. Okay, just like that fourth step, how we just get everything out, how it just feels good to not have it camping around upstairs. Mm. That's, that's the that's the best thing I think to do. And then from there, after you take care of the four walls and your survival needs are met, I would uh, probably track tackle the ones with the biggest payments and the biggest in interest rates um, if and that have low balances. So like if you have a two thousand dollar balance, but it's a super high interest rate and uh, you know it's only two thousand, it's a big payment that's going to free up a lot of cash flow. So you can eliminate your a high interest rate, low balance, high payment, and all of a sudden you're going to have an extra couple hundred dollars a month. But it's really case by case. And if, if you really want a foolproof way, um, Ramsey's debt snowball is really good okay. to start with. Okay. So that makes sense. So you're saying because if something has a high interest rate, although I'm just seeing you know, everything as a whole. And, and I think that's, again, why it's so important just to get it down and, and really look at it. And we're coming back to what I would agree is probably one of the hardest parts of all this um, that I know was so difficult for me. I didn't want to look at it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's been this, it, you know, it's been this huge problem that uh, has snowballed over time and it's just getting bigger and bigger. But I, I think that's a good point. It's, you know, even though we just see this as a number, uh, what maybe we're not thinking about sometimes is something that has a 25, 30% interest rate. I mean, man, that's costing you more and more money 
when you're not taking care of that. So that, that makes sense. And I see what you're saying though. Everyone's going to have a little different situation, but look at those, uh, look at those debts that have those, those high interest rates first. Now, let me ask you this. Um, how much do you think that, that just, you know, taking care of things financially, uh, getting rid of these debts and, and look like, let's be clear. No one ever told us that, that we were going to get rich when we got sober. Right. I mean, right. I, I don't think, and, and success means different things to different people, but you know, in my mind, if I'm struggling to, because I have seen, you know, I don't want to say seen people relapse over this, but it doesn't help, you know, my, my situation, right. If, if I can't pay my bills and those, those basics that you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, food, shelter, those basic things. If I can't take care of those things, it definitely makes sobriety a lot more difficult. So how much do you think that figuring all this financial stuff out has to do with, with staying sober in your mind? For me, I just felt an incredible amount of relief, uh, mainly from facing the law and the hospital bills and a lot of that stuff that was killing my credit. Hmm. And money touches every single area of our lives. So you can really enhance on personal development following your, following your money. Um, but I think overall what I got out of it was a great sense of accomplishment and also self-confidence. Like I felt like an adult where it was like, I know where my money's going. I know how much I'm making. Um, I have a goal. I'm working towards that goal. I'm seeing progress. Uh, I remember, you know, when we bought a house for the first time, my wife and I, and we had one child, you know, that was, that's a milestone in everybody's life. Yeah. And I think it's overall, it's because when you're active and you're an addict, nobody trusts you, nobody trusts you. And then that credit report, you know, the higher your credit goes is all these lenders are saying, we trust you, you know, you pay your bills, like we trust you. And it's just, it made me feel, um, complete. I guess, working a recovery program, having a higher power, having new friends, getting my financial life together, adding value in the workplace and getting paid more for that added value. It was incredible, an incredible feeling. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I really love that. So I do want to make sure here just that, that you're plugging this book as best as possible. So are, are there any other tips out of the book that that you'd like to share that you think are, are maybe uh, important just so you give the listeners a little, a little taste of what's to offer there. Okay. This is the bulk of it. And you touched on it earlier. Okay. I'm going to sum it up in one sentence. Sure. Where your focus goes, energy flows. Hmm. I love That's that. That's it. You're going to get more of what your attention is on. Wow. I love that, man. And I think that's, that's so true. And, and that there's a lot of different things to think about there, right? I mean, it's really, uh, am I focusing on the solution? Am I focusing on the problem? And, and so again, you're going back to that mindset. So I think that that is so, so important what you're talking about. It's that, and, and this is just, uh, you know, if you look at, at anyone out there, you know, business coaches or just, you know, like, gurus, so to speak, uh, that are giving advice on, you know, financial success or success in business or success in anything, really. Um, 
they're really just, I guess they're, they're saying that the mindset is the most important part. The, yes. the, the way that we're thinking and approaching all of this is the most important part. It doesn't matter if you want to get in shape, you want to lose weight, it's the mindset. You know, you want to put, you want to get out of debt and put some money in your bank account. It's got to start with the mindset. So I, I think that's awesome, man. And I can't wait to uh, check the book out myself. Now, uh, I really appreciate you coming on here. Before we wrap up, and I, you've shared a lot of good tips here, a lot of good stuff. What is one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the Sober Nation? That's a great question. I would say just get clear on what you want out of life. It'll help you stay sober. It'll help you win with money. It'll help you with anything. Just knowing what you want. And it's okay to want things as an addict and an alcoholic. And it's okay when you get them. Wow. As long as in a position of integrity. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, that's, that's such, such good advice. Because I know that if anything, for me, I didn't, I, I thought maybe it was an ego thing. If I wanted good things in my life. I didn't think there was a lot of limiting belief going on. I didn't think I deserved good things in my life. And I think it's the exact opposite, man. When we're really doing this recovery deal, we're doing the next right thing. We have good motives. Man, I, I deserve to have a good life. And, and I think what a lot of people don't think about is, is guess what? When I have a good life, and, and just financially speaking, I'm not in debt. And, and I can take care of my family. I can also make a bigger impact on the world. I can help more people. And that's really what this is all about at the end of the day, right? Very well said. Yes. Awesome, man. Brandon, I thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thanks for being here with me, man. I really appreciate all the tips. Uh, I'm glad that you shared your book with us. And, um, and I just thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. It's mutual. Absolutely. So you can learn all about uh, Brandon and his financial coaching at moneymatterspersonalfinance.com. You can find Brandon's book, Personal Finance and Addiction Recovery on Amazon. I'll link to both of those in the show notes. Nation, thanks for joining me and I'll talk to you soon. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.